Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? It's Coach Luke, and we're back with the Vigor Life Podcast with none other today than my special guest and friend from, uh, he's actually my neighbor, kind of, kind of, sort of, you know, enough, like 10 minutes away in, in, in the U.S. is, is 20 minutes in traffic. But 20 yeah. minutes in traffic is my neighbor, <laughs> Joel Jameson. And, and here's, here's the thing, right, to the, you know, if you guys haven't heard about Joel, we're going to kind of dig into a little bit of, of his background, but, you know, uh, to, to me, he's, he's written pretty much the, the best book on conditioning, which is called MMA Conditioning. So it's really not about MMA, it's conditioning, period. And if you haven't copped that, you should definitely get that if you're interested in just how to structure and like what conditioning is, how to use it into every platform of strength and conditioning, fitness, anything else. It will kind of blow your mind. It's actually one of the first uh, times that I started really looking deeper into conditioning and uh, starting understanding it and everything we do here at Vigor now is based on that. But, um, you know, on top of that, uh, Joel is also on over 8weeksout.com, uh, HRV. We're, we're talking about a lot of this stuff, but uh, if you haven't checked him out, check him out. But Joel, thank you first for being here. Hey, man, glad to be here. And uh, no, no traffic at this time of day, so <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes. You know 20. we do it at noon, man. <laughs> exactly. And, um, but here, I'm like, kind of warp speed, just warp speed the... Uh, Kind of like your career in, in, in strength and conditioning and fitness, because yeah, 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 I yeah. think it's pretty pretty damn interesting. It, so. it is, you know. I, like I said, I would never guessed I'd be known as a conditioning guy when I first started. So, if your listeners don't know who I am, my background at all, I started out like most strength coaches in strength. I wanted to get guys stronger, wanted to get guys bigger, wanted to get guys faster. And my first mentor was a guy named Bill Gillespie, who's a seven hundred pound yep. bencher. I mean, the guy is a beast. I saw this guy at three hundred and twenty five pounds doing pull up with four plates around his waist for reps. Yep. Like the guy is strong. And so that's really where I started. I went from there uh, over to Seahawks, interned there for a bit, then opened my own facility. And that was really, you know, my, my plan, my, my goal was, was just keep working with football, work with strength athletes. And then everything changed when I started working just with MMA. And it was a sport I didn't know anything about. Uh, you know, the guys were weak from my standards from working with football players. And I assumed early on, like, just get them strong and then they're going to be better. Uh, and then I started training the sport myself, and they kicked my ass in 30 seconds because I was out of shape, and I was stronger than them. But then as soon as the gas tank was empty, they were toying with me. So I realized, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing when it comes to conditioning. i got to figure this out. So I started just researching everything I could find about conditioning, talked to other guys that worked in combat athletes, um, going around to different conferences, just anything I could figure out to be a better conditioning coach because I didn't want these guys gassing out and pointing the finger at and me. And so when, when, was, when was that? When did you this is, first This start? is like 2004, 2005-ish. I believe the, the first guy, I opened the gym in 2003. So 2004 was the first combat athlete I worked with. Because I, I remember like it was, man, it's been probably seven, eight years ago is when I met you when I was in an amateur fight for Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Because they were training out of, uh, like AMC was out of uh, Vision Opera. Quest, yep, right? Yep. And, uh, and that's, you know, and kind of, which kind of brings me to this, uh, uh, that you know you had uh essentially opened the gym right next to yeah, so yeah i mean i would like i, said, I wish that was like my genius plan but that was <laughs> just sheer luck of yeah. being in the right place at the right time and the funny thing is at the time no one really knew anything about mma i mean yeah. randy couture and reese smith and you know matt and all you just all go out to lunch and no one ever came up and asked for a rod right? no one had any clue who these people were they just had yeah. funny looking ears and you know, <laughs> it, was, it was not a big deal and then you fast forward a couple of years after the show, the, the first Ultimate Fighter came out. The show, you know, really caused the sport to explode. Now we can't, you know, you couldn't go out to dinner or anywhere without people wanting pictures and autographs. And it just became this overnight explosion. And I just kind of was along for the ride, really. Do you think that that kind of, uh, I'll say, fast forwarded your, 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 not only your, your motivation to learn about it, but to, uh, I'd say, your, your skill set and your learning, right? Like, 
learning it, being in the trenches, I mean, next oh, yeah. door to, you know, some of the top MMA yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it absolutely did. I mean, I was very, very fortunate to be around a coach like Matt Hume. I mean, he is the best MMA coach in the world. And to see, Great. you know, the athletes that he had coming in there. And like I said, the, the first guy I ever worked with was getting ready for a K-1 fight, which is the epitome of the sport. I mean, he was trained for a fight in Japan in front of 60,000 people. I mean, that was the first combat athlete I worked with. You know, that's, that's an <laughs> athlete that, the yeah, yeah, thrown <laughs> in the fire. Exactly. You know, he's got his career and thousands of dollars in the line and thousands of people watching. And here I am not really knowing what to do. So I had to, you know, sink or swim, right? You got to figure yeah. out what to do. And it absolutely caused me to have to become a better coach. So and that's, you know, and that's, that. I think, uh, uh, definitely a lesson, right? I mean, yeah. outside of even like I say, strength and conditioning, but just, uh, you know, you, you said yes to the opportunity and then fuck it. Like I'm going to learn all the stuff I need to learn versus going like, ah, I'm not that good at it. I'll just, put it off right you gotta like, got jump in you, you gotta got jump, jump in. in i mean like i said i yeah sure i could have turned him down but i would have regretted it yep so you don't know it better figure it out and that's really what it came <laughs> down to so you know the first day it was evaluation see where he was at and then i'm like man this guy's real weak and then i said well i'm gonna go train the sport myself a little bit and see what this is all about so i can understand it better and that was something i think was a, was a pivotal thing that I choice I made because it really opened my eyes to the sports not what I thought from just watching it. You have to be able to feel it and to see what it's like and to understand how the fatigue hits you and what it means. And you know, like I said, it changed my perspective. But if I hadn't done that, I probably just would have kept trying to make him strong. And ultimately, it wouldn't, Man, have, it wouldn't have taken that direction. That is such a great point. Uh, like you know, how many people right now? I would say in in, in any area of life, right? It's like I'm coaching somebody else through theory, but I've never experienced it. It doesn't mean you got to be like the, become the best. No, I mean I'm, never, I'm, not, I'm not fighting anybody professionally, but yeah, same, you know, <laughs> same to you. But, but you know, I've got my ass kicked by the best in the world. I can you know hold my own. I at least know the basics and I know what it means to be in shape for a fight. And I've I spent probably the first year or so training with those guys every morning. You know, we do Damn. the conditioning sessions in the morning, the strength sessions in the morning, and then they would do the MMA sessions in the evening. So I did all the morning sessions with myself. We had a group of guys that were coming in from Pride back then, and Matt, we'd all train together, and then I'd go and do some of the evening sessions with them. And, you know, it was just being a part of that uh, that sport and that group, even though I wasn't, I was never going to compete. But it was just, it really taught me a lot about the sport and how to get guys ready for it. And with that said, like, I mean, I say it's, it's come a long way, right? I mean, since then till now, as far as like the science and you know understanding, like even conditioning and stuff. But oh, yeah. still today, and, and and I'm I'm pretty sure that we're kind of on the same page with this. That in strength and conditioning, and even in fitness, you know, where do you see like conditioning is, right? I mean, it, it, there's still so many misconceptions. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but it's, I mean honestly, it's it's still larger than dark ages. And yeah. I say this because I'll bet you in any given day, in any given gym, you've got less than 10% of people using a simple heart rate monitor. I mean, probably 5% at best. Realistically, if you're not using any kind of heart rate monitor, it's like trying to lift weights without knowing what weight's on the bar. I mean, you're just guessing how heavy it is. You're guessing if you're getting better. You're guessing, you know, what you should be doing. But just something as simple as a heart rate monitor is going to tell you what your heart rate's at. So that tells you essentially how much intensity you're using. And it's key to be able to really make progress in conditioning. But when you consider most people don't even do that much, you know, I think it's it's still got a long ways to go. And, and I think that's, I've heard you say this before, that like conditioning, I think still is taken as a side thing. It right? is, it's like it I do is. my strength, it, I do my this, yeah, I do my exactly. physique training. And then, you know, if you're in a physique world, it's like, oh, I do my cardio to burn calories, right? Yeah, it's like, exactly. uh, if you're in strength and conditioning, it's like, okay, I push it so then I can push it on field, but there's no parameters. There's no, no it's just, it's just the wild west if, at best, yep. you know? And the funny, the probably part of it is people can measure strength, right? They know what they're lifting they know how far they're jumping they know what their 40 time is, but to truly measure conditioning is not something most people have a good handle on. So if you don't 
know what your condition is and you can't really measure the progress in it, you're less likely to train it or to structure your program around it because it's, it's not there's something no that's tangible, no feedback. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I think guys just do it when they're getting ready for a season or there's, you know, they have a conditioning test. They have to get ready for this test, you know, or a fighter obviously has to get ready for a fighter competition. But yeah, people think of it uh, too much in terms of a pre-event. Like, oh, I just got to get ready for this thing. Well, realistically, you know, you need to be building the foundation throughout your program. It's, it's not something you should just put at the end. It's, it should be something that's part of everything you do. And one, and one of the things, like with that said, too, is like one of the things that I've, I've heard you say before, which I thought was really great, and what I started doing here is how much, uh, how you explain this to people, right? How do you preframe yep. what conditioning is for that person? Even if, I mean, obviously, our, like for, for me, majority of, I don't say 70, 75% of our client base is, uh, is you know, body transformations, improvement health. And, but still, like we start talking about this, you know, how does conditioning relate to their life no. um, and start when and they, you know, when they start getting it, like, holy shit, like this is what it is. Like this is if I measure my progress here, this is what that. Means oh, yeah. For I me. mean, for, for the average person, I don't know if you're if you guys check out the article eight weeks out on how conditioning can save your life. That, that article is yep. our most shared article by far. Yep. And I think it really opened a lot of people's eyes that look at the end of the day, most people want to live better. They want to look better. They want to feel better. The reality is there is nothing better than the aerobic system and developing conditioning to accomplish that. There's there's mountains of research that shows us VO2 max and aerobic fitness and all those corollaries are directly related to life expectancy. And I cited a paper on there where they looked at a review of 11 or 12 different studies on longevity. And lo and behold, they found that the only athletes consistently live longer than the average person are endurance athletes. And some of those papers actually showed strength athletes and team four athletes lived less uh, live shorter lifespans than the average person. And the reason uh, endurance athletes live longer is simply because they have the highest levels of aerobic fitness that protects against inflammation, that protects against free radicals, that protects against a lot of the things that cause aging and cause, you know, the cornerstone of modern diseases. So at the end of the day, being strong is cool, but being in shape and being alive is, is better. And that's, you know, uh, and you said too, like last time we talked that like you've seen this, co- like this correlation of the better the HRV score the better life expectancy. Oh, yeah, it's pretty much like measures like, hey, this is this shows your health in, in many ways, right? It, it does. It predicts literally your life expectancy better than almost any single metric out there. Because again, people what people don't understand is the aerobic system, it's it's the body's protection against all the stresses we throw upon ourselves. So food stress and mental stress and sleep stress and training stress, everything else, you know, it, it takes its toll on the body and your best protection, your best way to handle all that is to have a well developed aerobic system because it can mitigate against inflammation because it can rebuild the tissues and regenerate things faster because it just it's it's designed to help you protect against the stresses that you encounter in life so and in one word i'd I'd call it resilience right resilience is exactly what it is it is exactly that you know what's crazy like i was uh, i had dan swinsco who's one of the guys uh the the physical therapist we refer to really smart dude great dude um had him here for a podcast and we're talking about back pain a lot right and said well you know the, the only one thing that has actually been proven long term to improve like back pain is like aerobic activity. Yeah, it's just just simple blood flow. I mean, it's just, it's movement. The human body was designed to move. Movement basically causes blood flow to be circulated, or blood to be circulated the body. There's a pumping action with just walking and gait as a whole that causes increased, uh, you know, fluid transmission throughout the entire body. I mean, just the act of walking and moving around by itself promotes recovery, it promotes wellness, it promotes health. And if nothing else, just doing active, you know, aerobic type work accelerates that process. So, you know, you got to move. And that's, that's what, man, I'm glad you bring this up because I hope people that are listening to this are like, shit, like, the, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know it was all that and like start researching it more. But then, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later is how, you know, because this is what, what I see, at least in, in, a, in a fitness professional world is 
the people that do are like, okay, conditioning is important, but it's like, how do you put it together? Because yeah. like, we're obviously both proponents of like getting stronger, smart. If you, you know, power is important, even for elderly people, if they fall, they got to catch themselves. One of the three people break their hips, so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. But how do you put it? All together where, you know, hey, we're working on somebody's mobility and strength and power, but then also like putting conditioning into where they can measure it and improve it long term. And it's not just all over the fucking place, because let's be honest, like a lot of the stuff that I see, I'm, I'm sure that you see a lot of the same, too, is like this. Like, this makes no sense. This oh, is yeah. just. Yeah, the strength is there. The, you know, hypertrophy stuff is there. But this is just like whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it comes down to having a system with like anything else you know you've got to research what are the elements that make up conditioning what has to be developed i mean first and foremost you have to develop the aerobic system and it's it's more complicated than strength simply because the aerobic system has a lot more moving parts mm-hmm. you know strength is basically how big your muscles are and how many contract at once and your technique i mean that's strength uh, aerobic fitness and conditioning is a bit more complicated than that but it comes down to just having a system in place that incorporates it into your program as a whole so just rules of thumb if someone's on a lower level of fitness you can pretty much smash it all together you can train strength you can train conditioning you're going to get some results but once yep. you reach you know a certain level of fitness you're better off kind of segmenting things and i found better results just by the way um the body's designed to have days that are more oriented towards strength and power and days that are oriented more towards aerobic fitness and conditioning and separating those out a bit which it works well together it works well when you put it that way because you don't really want to smash someone's strength you know two or three days row in the gym yep. but you can get into some lighter lower level aerobic work in between which number one will improve their conditioning but number two will actually speed up the recovery from that strength work so that now they go back in the next day or day after and they're going to get better results out of their strength work because they put in that lower level aerobic work to help facilitate recovery and rebuild everything. So they, they do go together when they're programmed properly. You just, you know, for most people, you just have to have some structure there where the, there's an emphasis for each day and the program's built around that rather than just let's just do whatever we feel like all the time. And it's and it's uh, like, would, would you say that this is like something that's going on, right? It's like because of where we leave like high intensity and we're training and like, you know, push it. And like, obviously you go on Facebook, there's all these oh, yeah, memes, yeah. like everything's got to be hard that there's like, and, and training hard is important. Obviously it's important, but not having enough, lo- let's just say lower intensity training yeah, that actually could help a ton if you understood it and how yep. it fits into the program. And I think people mistake, I, I talk about this a lot, people mistake intensity for results. I mean, if yep. it was just a simple case of train as hard as you possibly can, then everybody would be in decent shape <laughs> these days because everyone's killing themselves in the gym, but it's not that simple. So the, the biggest thing is consistency I've seen and consistency always trumps intensity. Someone who's consistently in the gym five to six days a week, even if they're only going hard once or twice is in yep. the long run going to outpace someone who's in there four days a week crushing themselves because sooner or later that person that's killing themselves four or five days a week is going to have injuries. They're going to have plateaus. They're going to overtrain. They're going to fall apart and they're just going to keep banging their head against the wall versus a guy who's consistently in the gym push himself a couple of days a week, taking it more moderate the rest of the days. He's going to make maybe lower, shorter or less improvements in the first month, maybe even two months. But in the long run, it's going to keep on building. And the funny thing is, if you look at the research, that's literally exactly what you see. The the Tabata study that everybody loves to cite for high intensity. If you look at the changes in fitness from the Tabata group, they improved for three weeks and they completely plateaued. The lower intensity group went six weeks with steady improvements throughout and actually ended up with higher VO2 maxes at the end, which people like to talk about. But slow and steady and consistent wins the race, not smashing yourself into the ground. It's funny because we were just uh, like listening to Derek Halpern write about speed training and Charlie Francis stuff, yep. like high and low. Yep. And people live, thing, live right? in medium and like nobody actually gets yeah. good I mean, results. If you, if you talk like, to, I actually went to Charlie Francis' course in Vancouver many, many years ago. And I think yeah. someone asked him like, 
you know, what was the overall percentage of higher versus low that you guys did? He's like, you know, our, our athletes probably think the number he shoot, shot out was like 20, maybe 25% of high and the rest low. Oh. I mean, people are, my, their minds are blown when you think about the fact that you're dealing with the highest speed athletes in the world, the most anaerobic athletes really there are just about. And the vast majority of training was at lower intensities and only a certain percentage of it was at the true high intensities. And, you know, Charlie was a big proponent of the high-low system just because, like you said, too many people train this 80 to 90% range where they're not really training hard enough to cause their body to get better, but they're also not training easy enough to allow their bodies to recover. And they're stuck in this middle ground. And it's, that happens like, uh, all the time. Be, like be, uh, be able to be mediocre for a long yeah, period of time. It's, it's, and it's, it's like, yeah, exactly. if you put it that way, it's like, shit, I don't want that. Yeah, no, you think you're but, training hard, but the reality is you're so fatigued from the last time you crushed yeah. yourself. You're not training at the intensity you think you are. You just feel fatigued because you've done it five days in a row. Yep. And and that is why people need to know more about conditioning. No, absolutely. Straight up. I mean, um, and, and, and so here, like, as I, I've been like for the last five years, just a huge proponent of everything, brain neurology, behavior change. Right. Oh, yeah. And I, I like I really like your take, because when, you know, when people talk about conditioning, here's the other thing that they'll never talk about is the brain. So the how, brain's like, central to it. It's central to the whole thing. And it's like I like to get into the why, because then when people understand it better, I think that it's easier for them to go like, OK, that makes sense. I'm, now I see why I need to do more of this. Yep. So, you know, just talk a little bit about how like the brain actually uh, uh regulates everything when it comes to cardio and like if, if people saw this perspective maybe it would like make a shift of like holy shit like I need to look more into this and, and study this better you know, the, the, there's, there's two things the first thing is the brain is what controls energy expenditure and energy expenditure is essential to life obviously and so the brain makes decisions essentially subconscious decisions about how much energy needs to be expended to accomplish a given task and then it basically asks how valuable is this task? Is this worth expending much energy for in the first place? And simply biology, if you look back at evolutionary biology, when you're in the wild and you're having to make decisions like, should I go trade 50 miles across the desert to try to find more food? Or should I sit my ass here and wait for more food to come to me? These are, these are life and death decisions, right? Yeah. Because if you make the decision to go search for food and you don't find food, you just, you, you're, you're gonna die, right? Uh, so our brains are essentially designed to dictate how much energy we expend by valuing the work that we're doing and by judging the, the task at hand. And so when you're talking about you know, training, it's a lot of energy output. It's, it's a lot of work to go you know, do sprints or lift weights or do whatever. And the brain has to make the decision whether or not it's worth it. And so the part of how it does that is how the task is framed. And people, this is, this is just kind of go back to motivation and why yep. people uh, do this. When people understand the true benefit of the conditioning they're doing, how it's gonna change their life expectancy, how it's gonna make them feel better, look better, all those sorts of things, they're much, much more likely to do it intelligently and their body's going to produce the energy that's necessary versus, uh, you know, what you get now where people see great weeks for a few you know, results for a few weeks. And then ultimately everyone stops training the gym in February and March. Right. Yeah. So if you're talking about the average general population client, the biggest thing is just showing them a progression and having them understand why they're doing the things they're doing and not crushing them because crushing them, you know, again, it's, it's only going to work for, for so long before they plateau. And as soon as the brain starts to see no results, from all the hard work, they're gonna stop doing it. It just comes down to like, why am I in the gym four days a week killing myself and not really feeling better, looking better, except for the first four weeks of the program? It's, it's like a pattern, and, and, and this is why it's so important, right? Because when you program that, it's like, okay, if I work harder, I get results. Yep. Then I stop getting results. Well, then that means I need to work even harder yep. or F it, right? I'm done, right? And, and that's what you tend to see is like, then people work harder and harder and they burn out, they don't get results, yep. they actually go backwards. Exactly. And then, 
right, right. there's no there's no like progressive. No, there's no progression. Uh, uh, you know, and then the other thing is the way the brain works too is it's always analyzing the environment that's in and deciding how much energy needs to produce, like I talked about. And so a lot of this is in the the way I was just talking about motivation is kind of your general population area of the brain, what its role is. But now we're talking about performance. It comes down to the brain being familiar with the environment because the more familiar with it is, it is, and the more it knows how to control the energy effectively. And it gets better and better and better at only producing as much as necessary, not as much as possible. So people often think of things backward. They think of conditioning as, oh, I want to produce as much energy as I can for 15 minutes straight. Yeah. No, conditioning is producing only the minimum amount necessary, necessary. for 15 minutes straight because that's how you're going to actually be optimizing mm-hmm. your performance. So a lot of uh, conditioning from a performance standpoint comes down to the brain just recognizing the environment and recognizing the right pattern of energy output and recognizing the opponents and recognizing how to pace itself properly. And these are all things that you need to teach the athletes how to do. This is part of conditioning that's not just go bang three rounds of five. You need to teach the athletes how to pace themselves and when to go and when to not go. And you see athletes that are well-conditioned have poor performance all the time because it looks like they have bad conditioning simply because they had a poor execution. Yep. They had poor uh, management of the energy. So it's it's energy management and energy expenditure is a skill. There's a subconscious and there's a conscious component of it. Uh, and it needs to be trained if you're talking about athletes. And then again, for the general population client, you just need to show them progress and you need to show them the value of what they're doing and why they're doing it and make sure they're able to see the direct improvements and outcome from their work. Yeah, and that's, I think like understanding this is important to get the message across, right? And like, you know, sometimes I'll talk about biological power. People are like, what, what the hell is that, right? But it's like, you gotta start explaining that and yep. even going like, hey, what, you know, why does this guy gas out so fast? And like, where is, is his aerobic power at and what's the gap? And, you know, why did you, once you get gassed, like your punches just lose 50%. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and once you explain that, people go like, shit, like this makes sense. Yep. And then they buy in into what you're teaching. And I think it goes the same for it from general population. Uh, ever, it it like comes that. down to like, people always want to understand what they're doing and why it's going to help them. That's what it comes down to. No one's going to go to their job and work for, you know, a year without getting paid for it or understand why the work they're doing is beneficial, right? You need to work with athletes, general population clients, anybody. And they need to understand clearly what they're doing and how it's going to benefit them. What's in it for me is just the way we're built. What's in it for me? I mean, again, why is the brain going to tell you to go do all this work if there's nothing in it for you? It yeah. doesn't make any sense. And subconsciously, again, if you want to keep clients in the long run, you want to keep people for six months or a year in your gym rather than four weeks, they need to understand the value you're delivering. They need to understand the value of the work that they're doing while you're in your gym. And that's what it comes down to. And, you know, delivering structured programs, showing them consistent progress, explaining the process, you know, having them focus on short-term milestones rather than these long-term goals that may take six months, it's better to have them focus on a goal that they can accomplish in six weeks or even better, six days, seven days. Yep. You know, it should be a weekly goal. It should be a workout goal. It should be a monthly goal. The, the, the shorter term you can make it, the better because people want to reach goals. They want to make progress. But most people have a hard time if the goal is six months out or a year out. That's a hard thing to shoot for. Yep. You know, why do, why do athletes that are, you know, in contract years perform better than athletes that aren't, you know, you perform better contract year because you know it's a direct benefit to the performance that year. You make more money if you perform better. And taking your clients and, and having I, them structure their training around these short-term goals is a much better approach. And the thing is, like, I think some of it is expectation. I know when people come in here, if you don't give people expectations, they, oh, yeah. it creates uncertainty, which creates anxiety. Well, right? the, so, the problem, the problem too is big problem I would say is people come in with completely unrealistic expectations yes. a better way they have expectations they're just built on bullshit marketing and the social media and these P90X pictures that are photoshopped that everybody knows are photoshopped but in the back of their mind they're still thinking that could be me right I mean yeah. you've watched everyone's watching infomercials thinking that could be me and the problem is they're coming into the gym thinking like maybe that this guy is going to do that for me 
But the reality is, you know, unless you're talking about photoshopping pictures of you, you know, it's not going to happen. So setting the correct expectations is a really important thing because people's uh, when their expectations aren't met, that's the big decreaser that's in the dopamine. Big, that's, yeah, the dopamine that's the dopamine killer. That's the yep. motivation killer. Mm-hmm. So if someone comes in expecting to lose 10 pounds and they lose five, they're like, oh, man, I didn't reach my goal. I only lost five pounds. If someone else comes in and you say, look, you're going to re- you're gonna hit five pounds of weight loss and they hit five pounds of weight loss. Now they're happy. Yep. They met yep. their goal. Even though they both achieved the same result, the person who expected to achieve mm-hmm. it is going to be happy. There's a person that expected to hit you know, double that is pissed off and thinks your program didn't work. So it's hugely important to set very clear expectations from the start. And, and map uh, that out for them. It's, it's like that saying, it goes, right? People over, overestimate what they can do in 12 weeks, oh, overestimate yeah. what they can do in a year. Yep. And if they hit the goal, there's so many things that happen. Confidence boost, yep. right? They feel successful. Like they believe in you more. They believe in the program more. Like all these great things happen. Yeah, people are always, people inherently uh, overestimate their ability. It's just kind of how humans are built. So there's a bunch of research out there you know, if, if you look at, you can tell people a bunch of disease statistics. So you can say, look, one out of every three people gets cardiovascular disease. One out of every, you know, 10 people, whatever the hell it is, gets cancer. And then you have surveys about what they people predict their own likelihood of getting diseases are. And they're like a fraction of reality, right? Everybody has this, this uh, bias towards their own, you know, performance of their own a, unlikelihood to be everywhere. one of the next. It's everywhere. It's just how we're wired, right? was like people thought that they ate more protein than they did. Yeah, exactly. And it said that they ate way less carbs and sugars than they did. Yeah. It was just like super yeah, skewed people 40%. completely skew it. So my point yeah. is they walk in their door and they think they're going to be the exception. And then when their progress, even their progress is good, if, if that was the expectation going in, you know, they're ultimately going to be dissatisfied with the results. So setting those very clearly. I mean, people expect to do things that are literally not possible. You can be in the, have the best genetics in the world and be on every drug known to man. You still wouldn't get those results. You think <laughs> they're going to walk in on yeah. the street and get. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely, you know, it's, it's impossible. And you, when you pick up a fitness magazine and you're, slow, I'm going to put 90 pounds on my bench in four weeks. I mean, it's, <laughs> but I mean, that's you know, the responsibility, I think, of, of the coach and, and the content you put out and like things like this, yeah. where, where somebody can go like, wow, okay, like these guys know their stuff and this is what they're saying. This, this is reality. Maybe I should kind of adjust, you know, what I'm thinking. But I, I think it's the responsibility of the coach, which, which then leads to like, so they, I, I, like I had to bring this up because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coaching some people that are actually recovering from these things. But in the realm of like both uh, high school strength and conditioning, college strength and conditioning, and I would say general fitness now where, where it's become uh, insanely popular to do a lot of crazy, you know, military, whether it's this huge Spartan races, yeah, yeah, yeah. SEAL Fit 20X, Coral, which like I'm not, you know, the events, I'm not opposed to them because they're trying to prove a point, build mental, there's obviously a point to them. Yeah. But the training leading up to it, it's, uh, you know, what, what, what is your take on, you know, toughness training, right? I'm going to, I'm going to train you to be tough. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there, a lot of toughness actually comes down to, again, how much does the brain value what it is you're trying to accomplish? People are very mentally tough. It's because they don't want to lose. They, they value winning and they, and they hate to lose. And there's a lot of their self-worth wrapped up in a lot of those things. If you look at the people that are most mentally tough, in a lot of ways, it's because they have the biggest fears of losing, of losing. and yeah. they're the most insecure in some way. I mean, if you look at, I think Walter Payton was famous for, and Jerry Rice even, like they were afraid of losing. They were afraid of failure and that drove their ass into the 
ground every or in the gym every single day to do whatever it took to perform and you know, they were able to do it so um, you know, I think that there's benefits to doing that sort of training. Like you said, there's, there's benefits for people to learn their limits. There's benefits to people to, you know, achieve new, um, you know, new markers they didn't think possible. But the process has to be right. People can't go in the gym yes. every day to kill themselves to get there. Those should be tests. Those shouldn't be, you know, things you do every ways day in training. the gym, ways of yeah. training. Exactly. Yeah. If you look at the military, they're not trying to get people in great shape. They're trying to find the people who can't hack that environment because if you can't hack that environment in the real world, you're going to get not, killed. Yeah. You know, they're not trying to make you the best athlete possible, or the best in shape possible. They're trying to literally see who can survive and who can't. I mean, it's, it's kind of like with, with a, like a China, Bulgaria, right? It was like, let's put thousands of people no, it's through. A, it's just a meat The people there. that make it. Yeah, yep. well, you guys are going to be able to handle like the world class stuff. Yep. It's not, but it's not like some model that you can go, you know, because I've heard this before. Well, this is what the top Olympic guys do. I'm like, yeah. but you can't do this with the general population. No, I mean, the it's top crazy. Olympic guys, you know, 99.9% of those guys in that program failed. It's the 0.1% that made it through. And again, you're not, you're probably not dealing with the 0.1%. You're dealing with the 99.9%. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you can't build a program that's designed for 99 of them to fail out of a hundred. Yeah. Uh, so people need to just, you know, again, there's, there's no, there's no reason that you don't let someone do those sorts of events, but the training leading up to them needs to be, you know, not the event itself. And the funny thing is, if you look at, um, I've, I've had a chance to see a lot of top CrossFitters in terms of their programs. And I've talked to a lot of successful CrossFit gym owners that work with tons and tons of high level mm -hmm. CrossFit games athletes and their programs are actually not CrossFit in the slightest. They're very well uh, thought out, you know, they yes. use high intensity and lower intensity. They're focused on technique. I mean, they have a much different take on high intensity and CrossFit than your average CrossFit gym owner or your average CrossFitter, I should say. So, you know, I think the more you train, the longer you're in this business, the more you're around it, the more you realize like you can't run yourself into the ground five days a week and expect to last. So I think the, the more intelligent coaches are out there that can preach that message, the quicker people are going to figure it out. Yeah. Because with, with that, you know, you said technique and you know, obviously, like and this is with with like I said, high intensity interval training and, and, and classes where you're doing just crazy volumes and stuff like that with more technical lifts, and or training for, you know, the ruck challenges, the seal fit twenty x's and stuff like that. Where you have people that are motivated to do something, they got this goal, yep. and you know, they probably have a lot of limitations in mobility and conditioning, and you know, and their energy system, their relative strength. I mean, you name it. And yep. then now you're compounding this with tons of volume, right? So. Oh, yeah. If your technique is good for the first, I don't know, like half an hour, like what happens after that? And what are, then what are we really training, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything, everything comes down to technique. And if you watch, you know, if you actually watch the CrossFit Games, the athletes that win, their technique doesn't look terrible. I mean, they get tired, but they don't look like, you know, they're having a seizure out there. They're actually able to perform with a reasonable level of technique because that's how they've been trained. And that's what they've done in practice. So there's, you know, again, you want to make yourself fatigued. And a lot of times, you know, that's part of conditioning. But... It doesn't mean that your techniques you throw out the window. And I think that's actually probably the biggest misconception about conditioning is that there's no correlation between, uh, you know, being fatigued and your ability to maintain technique. You can maintain your technique when you're fatigued if you're trained that way. But if all you're doing in the gym is saying go as hard as you can, go as pushing. fast as you can. Yes. If your only keys to your athletes or your clients are go hard or go fast and they're giving them no technical feedback, then, of course, they're just going to go hard and go fast and their technique is going to be terrible. And the problem is that when they get out in the competition or the field or whatever, and they're tired, their technique is gonna look the exact same as it did in practice. Yes. You know, technique should be coached at all times. Fatigue is just another one of those times. So, you know, to me, the more tired someone gets, instead of focusing on just trying to put, push them harder, you should be focusing on the technical things, you know, keeping their heads up, keeping their posture right, you know, putting their arms in the right position, whatever the case may be, depending on what they're doing. But, you know, teaching people to maintain composure and maintain technique when they're fatigued 
is one of the most important elements of conditioning. It's completely overlooked because people have this mindset of, oh, he's tired. I'm just going to make him work harder. No, he's tired. You should teach him how to work smarter and more effectively and use his energy wisely. Don't expend as much as possible. Again, teach him how to conserve and only produce energy he needs to to get through that particular part of the event or the competition or whatever. You you, because you mentioned like uh, Dan Faf, like as far as his coaching and teaching. My brother just was there last week for six days doing an internship. And he said it was amazing how, uh, you know, so it's Altus uh, out in Arizona. And how like the, the, like how much focus to details there is? Oh, it's said incredibly it was, it was unreal. Like well, it, it, yeah, it, I, I've been out there that course myself, and the biggest thing you'll see is, you know, Dan and their therapy team, uh, a friend of mine, Jerry Ramajita, runs that, and Stu uh, McMillan, like is incredibly detailed. Like he, Dan will watch some warm ups, right, and he'll see okay, maybe the, maybe his ankle looks like it's not moving the way I want it to, or maybe his his uh, arm position is not quite where he wants. So he'll send him over to the therapist. Therapist will do some manual therapy. Dan will give him a couple of cues and they'll go back in and finish the warm up. I mean, it's this constant tweaking adjustment of you're talking the smallest of details, but you see those details add up over six months of training. Now you're talking about world champion versus somebody who got injured, you know, and fell apart. And I mean, and, and there it's like, obviously, you know, it's like yeah, <laughs> the it's, smallest things can be win or lose. Yep. But, you know, but, but I, but I see a correlation to the, you know, cause somebody will say like, well, how does, you know, how does this like, how, you know, they, they, they basically coach people up to 800 meters and nothing more. And it's, you know, obviously North South speed, but still, how can you correlate this to like a general gym? And like for me personally, it's, you know, us bringing in people like manual therapists and Dan that oh, yeah. can do a bunch of different things. And I can go to somebody like, hey, like go get checked out. And then you work with them yep. to, to make things better because then you educate the client going like, hey, look, this is what's happening because you can't dorsiflex here. Your hip yep. stuck. Like well, when you do too much of this, yep. you're going to get hurt. Uh, Jerry, right? uh, my friend, like again, Jerry works with Stu for years, yep. uh, has, has a big thing that he got from D-Boye, who's a really known uh, osteopath. It's micro movement dictates macro movement. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality of your ankle can't move properly. Now your knee's in a bad position. Your knee's in a bad position. Now your hip's in a bad position. It works its way up, up the chain. So. Uh, you know, you got to pay attention to the, the details as well as the big picture. And I think uh, coaches have gotten really good at looking at lots of little movement tricks. I mean, FMS has gotten out there and people are trying to, you know, focus on movement. But again, the problem is it's only being emphasized in warm ups and cool downs and correctives <laughs> and fresh. They completely lose sight of it. People move under higher loads and higher velocities. Your emphasis on movement shouldn't go away. You sh- your emphasis shouldn't go from like these perfect movements in warm up to these shitty movements when you're tired. I mean, you should be coaching movements throughout the spectrum all the time. All the time. And you should yeah. have cues around, you know, the same sorts of things you're cueing when people are fresh. You should be cueing even more so when they're tired and when their conditioning is, uh, you know, under under stress. That's when you should be teaching them how to control posture and positioning, all these sorts of things. And creating an environment. So this is like this, man, you make a great point in here because creating an environment. See, I, I like to believe that, like, you know, with Vigor Grant, we'll stop stuff. Right. And, you know, because somebody goes like, no, but I'm training super hard. I should be pushing myself some smoke having permission for yourself to stop and educate and go like, well, here's what's going on. Yep. Let's regress you to this position. Now you can do it right and still work hard. And they're like, wow, this is harder than, yep. yeah, it's harder to do it right than it was to do it sloppy because yep. you were more efficient in a sloppy manner, right? Yeah, people's mindset needs to change about what is what is hard or what is what is the goal here. Yep. You know, again, that goes back to the coach's responsibility, the expectation. The expectation is you're going to do, you know, this drill properly as fast or as well as you can do it, but you're not going to do it poor with technique. You're not just going to slop your way through it and fast as you can call that good. You're going to learn to execute under perfect technique. That should be the goal. That's what's more Because the goal is not a hard training session. No. The goal is the, the result. The goal is right? exactly. The goal is the end result, which is to get yeah. better. Yeah. You don't get better by just going as hard as you can every rep of every set of every workout. 
you're, you're ultimately going to, you know, plateau and fatigue and overtrain and get injured at some point if that's all you go in the gym to do. So if you could t- like round, round it up, what, you know, if, if, a, if for a coach, like what would be the two or three points? I'm not going to do the what's your top three, just yeah. whatever comes to mind, like the top, you know, two or three points of when it comes to conditioning, like what, you know, if somebody could take them away right now and yeah. make their programs. But I'll, what, give, you, I'll give you um, just a couple there. Number one is is have a way to track and show people progress. And the easiest way to do that is simply with a heart rate monitor. Monitors, yep. Okay. And if you're not using a heart rate monitor, you're working out. It's literally like lifting weights without knowing what's on the bar. Get a heart rate monitor, learn how to use it, get an app, get a watch, whatever you feel comfortable with, and use them in your training. And you can show people tremendous progress. You know, if someone's running eight miles an hour and they're 160, their heart rate one week, and the next week they're 150, that's an improvement. If week one it takes them 60 seconds, their heart rate only dropped by 20 beats, week two it dropped by 30 beats, that's improvement. The Mm -hmm. resting heart rate goes from 65 to 55, that's improvement. So again, going back to having a way to show people progress, the heart rate monitor is the best investment you can make. So I would say that's number one. Uh, number two is, is coach technique and everything you do, like we just talked about, and make that the goal. Perfect technique under all conditions. And conditioning fatigue is just a conditioning to learn how to move well in. Um, and then, you know, I'd say three is have a mixture of intensities. You know, there's there's a time and a place for, for a variety of intensities, and there's a time and place for smashing yourself, and there's a time and place for the exact opposite. And you'll get just as much out of the recovery sessions and the lower intensity sessions as you do out of the higher intensity sessions. So, you know, if you, if you can track your progress, you can have a progression. If you can train technique and movement and you can have uh, a range of intensities, intelligent programming, you're going to be 95% of the way there. Everything else is really just detailed after that. And that's boom! You you you, <laughs> you smash that into three. There you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script a little bit and go like you know it, balance is such a huge part. You know, it, coaching stuff that happens outside of the gym obviously has become more and more important because oh, yeah. we see people whatever three four hours a week. If I mean that would be great. And then you got 164, 65, whatever it is. The balance part, and more like you know, I, I'm gonna ask you with athletes that you train, what are some things that you discuss about balance, and like even in your life, you know, what yeah. I mean, like what's, I mean, I, I kind of know where, where you where you get balanced yeah, from, yeah. what relaxes you, but yeah, yeah. but that conversation, like how you know, how do you go about that? Yeah, I, I think it goes down to like you talk about the, the first part is just framing the educational components around training. It's it's what you do outside the gym is is equally important or more important than what you do outside the gym or in the gym. So. Um, number one, I think you can give people things they can do outside the gym that are going to promote recovery. And how do you do that? Well, you teach them how to use a heart rate monitor again. Things that drop their heart rate down using some sort of biofeedback are going to be relaxing and recovery uh, regenerative for them. So finding things that they enjoy, whether it's you know, maybe they like massage, maybe they like the sauna, maybe they like hot tub, maybe they like whatever, maybe they like to listen to certain music. But people need to find things that bring the heart rates down and reduce that stressful you know, uh, inputs from their daily lives. So teaching them how to do that in the gym by showing them how to control their heart rate. And I call it, I call it dynamic heart rate control. It's literally just teaching people how to get in positions where they can drop their heart rate down. So a lot of the PRI stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of the IFAS stuff they talk about, this respiratory really? function, just teaching people how to recover is an important part of training. And then once you've given them the tool set, it's just you know, making sure they're actually doing those things outside of the gym and they're actively you know, engaged in recovery too, is just obviously nutrition and sleep are hugely, hugely important. So it's important to have a nutritional component to your program. Uh, it's important to focus on this integrated lifestyle, this wellness lifestyle. I call it, uh, you know, move, train, eat, sleep, recover. That's kind of the fitness lifestyle and, and making sure they're being active, making sure they're obviously training intelligently, they're sleeping, they're recovering, and their nutrition's on point. 
So a lot of it comes down to just having that education in place and having it structured. So, you know, I, I think that most gyms out there would be far better off. If they had some sort of, you know, 10 or 12 week program of foundational ed- education material or, you know, week one, you're, you're going to learn about stress. Week two, you're going to learn about, you know, basic nutrition. Week three, you're going to learn about sleep or whatever the case may be. And just building that into your program and considering it a part of your program and a necessary part that everybody has to learn and go through uh, rather than just kind of letting people figure it out on their own. So just it's just a structure, right? It's a system. It's a program that needs to be there from the start. Because it's, it's like the pieces, pieces to the puzzle, like lifestyle management. You yeah, know, it's exactly. crazy. I, I did uh, my blood work in January. My hormones were shot because I've been, you know, for the last like decade, I've been shit about sleep, yep. overworking. So I started uh, for the last eight months, I've slept on average about seven plus hours a night. My blood work came back completely different. I'm training less, hitting PRs, feeling better, right? Oh, yeah. and it was that's a difference. It was just sleep, right? Yep. And I mean, that was my main variable that I changed. And it's so important because people are always certain, like, man, how do I tweak my training more? It's like, man, you got it. Oh, <laughs> exactly. What are you doing on the other parts of it? And, and once again, education. I think you make a great point. How to make it education-based when somebody comes in. It's not just like, here's your program, here's this. But here are the things that affect your life. And now with that education, people make better decisions yep. and have choice and autonomy and things like that. No, exactly. And then, I mean, that's what, to me, I think the we've gotten, I wouldn't say overboard, but people are using all this, all the wearables and they're not really getting out of them, right? I mean, that's where you can actually educate people about how to use technology intelligently, whether it's heart rate variability or just sleep monitoring or activity monitoring. You know, you should have some programs around like look what's the reasonable amount of sleep to get well you can measure that now right yeah. you can you can see what sleep you're getting you can look at your recovery with hrv you can look at your activity you can look at your heart rate you can look at all these things um so it's you know i think if you really want to be a good trainer or coach you got to stand the forefront of that stuff so that means putting some work in to learn how this stuff works and give your give your athletes or give your clients you know the tools that they need to monitor these things and see whether sleep actually it doesn't be all the time but if they at least you know like you, you found, you monitor sleep for two or three weeks and you realize, man, I'm not getting nearly as much sleep as I thought I was. You know, it's an eye opener for a lot of people. So, again, I think you can build that into your education. You can build that into your programming. But just making a holistic program versus just a gym where you come and work out yep. is really the answer to getting long term results for people. And, w- you know, what you bring up really is assessment precedes awareness. Awareness precedes change. You can't yeah. change exactly. something you don't know is wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, people, too, they, they don't they they inherently think the gym is the most important thing, like you mentioned. But you said it's, a tw- it's the other 23 hours a day that are going to make or break what you did in the gym, because you could probably train, you know, twice as hard if your lifestyle was completely in in balance and you had everything dialed in and you get faster results you get way faster (laughs) results yeah but most people's lives aren't you know completely dialed in and so you've got to take that into account when you go in the gym if you're not sleeping well and you're stressed out at work and your diet's horrible you can't go in the gym and kill yourself because that's just going to exacerbate the problem so people need to realize it's all connected everything is connected what you do in the gym what you do out of the gym when you sleep you eat you know all of this is just one big puzzle put together you can't you know consider them separate pieces that you can just you know, isolate and do whatever you want with. They're all integrated and they all matter. I'm optimistic, man, in that next five, six years, this is what's going to, you know, I, I hope that most people are grabbing onto this right now and studying yep. it. I, I think there is. You know, I think that I've, I get enough emails and have enough, you know, people comment. Like, I think enough people out there have smashed themselves in the ground long enough to, now to know. <laughs> to know that it's not the best long-term solution. And I think they're looking for, you know, more holistic, uh, more integrated solutions. And I'm working on something we've talked about to, to help people out with that. But I think, yeah, I think the next, you know, three, five years, you know, you're going to start to see people more aware of these things and people taking a more active role in their recovery and their health. And, you know, I think the more we can start to actually leverage technology, make those things easier rather than more difficult, and the more we can start educating clients and trainers. And, you know, like I was overwhelmed, the response to my article on conditioning in life was the best arc we've ever had. 
and it wasn't really a training article. It was just about you know stress and yeah. life and how you put those uh, how those two are related. And people were massively interested in it. So I think you know we're, we'll hit a turning point. You know, more and more people start talking about this stuff, and you'll start to see uh, you know a much more wellness sort of approach versus a let's go kill ourselves approach. And the gyms that embrace that and that teach that and that have you know holistic type programs, they're the ones that are going to be standing. The, the you know the CrossFit gyms where you just bury yourself in the floor or any group fitness where you literally you know just kill yourself. Day and the gyms are going to come and go. And there's and only grind through so many people. Yep. Yeah, and if it, and if it's and if it comes down to just like, hey, we, we kick your ass and it's like in and out and there's not like a whole approach of you know what's happening in your life. I think, I, for real, the next five years, I think it's you become relic. You I, know what I mean? absolutely, absolutely <laughs> agree. I think it's you know people are are looking for something that's more effective in the long run. And, yep. and people, the fads will always come and go, but. You know, I think people start to realize that, you know, there's there's only one way to long term results and that's to put the pieces together and to be constantly working to put those pieces together, not to just go in the gym and crush yourself every day and, and think that's all you have to do. Because like I said, if it's that simple, then we'd be walking around everybody <laughs> in great shape. Everybody'd be ripped in the yeah, best, but, right? but they're not, right? It's not that simple. <laughs> exactly. All right. So man, what's hey, two things, right? What what's firing you up and motivating you? in business and then what's firing and motivating you outside of business just like in life stuff um so in business you know like i said we're working on some really cool stuff i'm excited about and it's i can't i won't get the details now i was, we're, I was we're gonna i was gonna say like not quite I, ready we're to, not ready to, no, to, we're not quite ready okay. to get there yeah. but just you know we're working on some stuff that i think is gonna be game changing i think it's gonna it's gonna Absolutely. give people exactly what we've just talked about it's gonna help them put the piece of their life together it's gonna help them see the value of, of this integrated approach and it's gonna make it easier for them to do it um, rather than a lot more difficult so that's really what's got me fired up on the the business side of things, on uh, life side of things, just uh, you know, flying more helicopters, more airplanes, <laughs> flying more more stuff. If you guys don't know, like uh, Joel likes to be in the air a lot, um, man. So, I've, I, and by the way, for me, meditation is man. When we went uh, flight over to Puget Sound in Seattle with with, with a plane and land on the water, man, it's one of the most relaxing things that you can oh, do. Yeah, you, you think it's like all the stress and stuff? It's actually no. It's away peaceful. from the stress, right? Oh, you, man. you see the stress down below. You're in a car. You're on the one on the freeway, and you're up above that. It's li- it's literally relaxing. like this. R- separate myself from the issues. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you get a chance to uh, do some flying over beautiful places, and, and you can do it consistently, do it um, with the helicopter. You know, <laughs> depending on how many turns and drops you're doing, it may be a little bit more stressful. Uh, but yeah, you just it, it, we, I, were, we were doing lots of stuff that probably was not the most relaxing, but but it was it was fun either way. So so it was dope. Um, the important thing is just that's what relaxes me, and you obviously find relaxing. People need to find yeah. something, some, some sort of outlet in their lives. I don't care if it's flying or driving or meditating or float tanks or who the hell cares what yeah. it is, but people need to find that that relaxing outlet because. You know, I, I can tell you just my own health and wellness that if I go a couple of weeks and the weather is crappy and I haven't flown, like it has a toll on me. If I can mm-hmm. go relax and fly and get out and just, you know, it, it makes a big difference. So people need to find whatever that happy place is for them and, and make a concerted effort in their schedules. I don't care if you're busy, you got work, you got school, whatever. You need to incorporate those things into your life if you want to be healthy and you want to, you know, have, again, long term results rather than, you know, get in shape for a month and then fall okay. apart. And, and part of that is also because, you know, it's going to bring me to the last part, man. Like right now you have uh, a, a conditioning cert that's about to I don't actually is, is, is ready to no, go. We're, we're ready to go now. Yeah, so it's, open it's, it's ready to go. And, and talk a little bit about like what, you know, what people go through and get when they go through the strength and conditioning uh, course. Like I know and I'm, I mean, every if you haven't checked out all of Joel's work, you got to do it. But seriously, if you want to become excellent at 
pro like understanding this stuff and programming it into your programs and and helping people get from point A to point B and even explaining it and getting people on board. I'm telling you, this is the best course out there. But I'll let Joel like you know what what does somebody go through when they go through the course? Yeah, so we really went through the last you know ten years of my career and I tried to summarize it and synthesize it down and do. You know, it's, it's about 13 hours of material, 55 videos, and it's literally everything from A to Z you need to know for conditioning, whether you're talking about a general population client, uh, it could be a world-class athlete, or really anyone in between. So um, it goes through different areas. It goes through the conditioned body. So I talk about how the body works, what is how the energy systems work, how does you know how do these things work together, what does mobility and all these things look like, uh, and then it's, it's the brain. So, again, we talked a little bit about it by going to much more in depth of how the brain works, how it relates to conditioning, how we train it. Um, you know, just how to develop that into your program. And then we go into programming, and that's where we get into how to program for team sports, combat athletes, endurance athletes, tactical athletes, really this whole wide range of athletes. I really wanted to make it practical so people can walk away with the tools they need to create a program for anybody. Um, and testing assessment, of course, is a big part of that. We go over that. And then train methods. So I go over, I think, 15 or 16 train methods and show you exactly how to coach them, what to say, what heart rate should be, how you coach the heart rate. Uh, it's really cool. We shot the heart rates on the monitor on an iPad, and then we basically videoed them in there. Uh, so you can see people's heart rates live while I'm taking them through the methods. You can see what we're actually nope. looking for and how we would coach them. Um, so, again, I really try to put just everything you need to know to coach somebody to improve their conditioning, whether, you know, again, whether you're trying to get someone ready for a fight, whether they're trying to get ready for a competitive season, you know, whether they're doing a tough mutter or whatever, or whether they just want to look and feel better and they're not trained for anything. Uh, you know, I try to put all the pieces together that they need to uh, to do that. So it's again, it's the most comprehensive course as far as conditioning is out there by far. So, so for you know, first of all, like I mentioned, MMA conditioning book, and for everybody that's like watching this, right? It's really comprehensive. But with the course, what you're going to see is like how to really because it can be quite a bit. I mean, like it's a lot of knowledge, but this is like how to piece it all together, yep. no matter who it's, you it's are. It's how to build a system. That's it's how, exactly. exactly. How to build a system. How to build a conditioning system from A to Z that works every time, any client, for any goal. You have the system in place. You know the methods to use. You know the structure that's there. You know how to coach it. Now you've got a system rather than something that's chaotic and disorganized. Now you have an actual structured way to take someone's conditioning from where they are now to you know where they need to be every single time with any type of client. And that's, again, that's what I want to get across as, as a systematic approach. And that's what you have to have if you want to be successful. Nice. And if you, like I said, if you're not a master at this stuff, man, this will like completely change the game for you. Because there's a bunch of things that I like to promote. Like if, if it's PN and, 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 you know, nutrition, like it's Joel's program when it comes to conditioning. And it's another thing that's like, guess what my whole team goes through? Like they've gone through all the resources. Now they're going to go through this because you have to have a foundation of what's the most, I would say, I should say ahead of its time. And, and it's like, this is what's going to be applicable to your gym. So I, Man, like, if, if, just let, let us know where you can find out more about it. I'll put the link in there anyways. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's, you know, keep in mind, it's only open for a couple more days. You know, we're gonna we're gonna launch a couple times a year um, or so, and really focus on educating and following up the people that go through. And the cool thing is, I've decided that once people go in it, you know, every time we launch a new one, make it available again, we're gonna add to it. So I'm gonna bring nice. in additional guest speakers. We're gonna add more case studies. We're gonna do more. Uh, training because this is an evolving field, right? I mean, like, no one's got it all figured out. So, mm -hmm. if you sign up for the course this time around, you're going to continue to get updates. You're going to continue to get more material, you know, as we keep progressing and adding to the course. So, it's a lifetime access to this course where you're going to get new material all the time. So, and and, um, and it's discounted until until Thursday. Until Thursday, like I said, only two launches a year, guys. So, if like you're serious about this, like jump on it. Like I said, and 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 the price is like really great right now. Because it's like it's, it's going to go up as the launches keep going and, and as this keeps growing. And like I said, there's going to be more info on it. 
So, man, that was that was a lot of stuff. I can keep talking about all day about a lot of shit. I was like, man, what do I even ask? Like, bro, <laughs> we could go so deep into so many things. But Joel, thank you, man. I appreciate you coming out here. Uh, if there's is there any other sites or anything else else they can find out more about you? That you can uh, check I out? mean, everything's just eight weeks out. Uh, they can find everything there, and then Bioforce HRV if they want to learn more about HRV and that kind of stuff. And um, you know, Facebook, Facebook eight weeks out. We got our site there. Awesome. We got a Facebook page. We keep that up to date a bit, but. Just go eight weeks out. You can find pretty much everything there. Eight weeks out, guys, and follow follow them on uh, Facebook as well because that's where a lot of the resources will be posted and yeah. articles. And there's an incredible amount of uh, just like free content. That's unbelievable. I got a couple hundred posts these days. Yeah, I mean, it's, like fifty videos. I mean, we have a lot of material. That's for sure. There, there's there's some articles on there that like literally just give you so much stuff that that it's pretty nuts. So go check that out. Thank you again, man. Yeah, this is a dope ass podcast. Awesome, guys. We'll see you next time. Real Life Podcast. Coach Luca out. Peace. <laughs>